Welcome back. It's Jokerman again, and it's it's the time of uh, well, the time of the life cycle of this whole podcast, uh, where we get to a certain album. Uh, it's triplicate. We finally are here. The the last one that we haven't talked about uh, in the entire canon is that true the, the original yeah, yeah it is true it's, it's kind of this is this is sort of the end we in did a way. like a we did like a you know kind of like a, a we we should go back to rough and rowdy or at least a couple of the songs on there at some point because we did just like a very brief thing like a month after we started recording uh, on that but this is the last one that we really haven't uh haven't do- dove dived dove in into um at all so so this is the ep- this is the last episode where you kind of like, have a bunch yeah. of opinions that you have to take back later right to revisit. exactly, wow. exactly. triplicate revisited imagine that no i don't think that the we'll ever, ever change our opinions on this album uh too much because yeah. our opinions uh, are very high i we'll well, get, yeah. my opinion we'll, we'll get there my opinion i'm ian I'm Evan. And uh, as you already heard, we're joined by uh, the foremost uh, expert on cover songs and Bob Dylan uh, miscellanea, Ray Paget. Welcome back to the show, Ray. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. We could not think of someone, anyone better to go through 95 minutes of Bob Dylan standards covers with than you. Uh, you've got your, um, uh, remind me the name of the, the site, the cover. Cover me. Cover me. Um, mm-hmm. that is devoted exclusively to the art of the cover. Um, and obviously, you're flagging down the Double E's newsletter on Substack. Um, and you did at one point, I think the first like thing that popped up in my mind uh, for having you back on here is your name appears on the Wikipedia page as one of the expert, uh, uh, expert critics with uh, some commentary on this. You ranked, I think, all 52 of Bob's cover songs, 1 to 52, at one point? Yeah, when tri- when Triplicate came out a week or so after, I, I went through the whole thing. Beautiful. And I'm sure you stand by 100% of those rankings. <laughs> Honestly, I did better than I thought, given that I was kind of listening and I couldn't remember at all. Like, right. there were one or two where I'm like, what was I thinking? But honestly, I'd say <laughs> I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I think, you know, top 10, top 15, definitely. That's, that you, you, got, uh, you got all the big ones in there. Yeah. 30 big ones. That's what this record uh, alternately is uh, called. It's yeah. called uh, Bob Dylan's 30 big ones. Bob Dylan's journey through uh, the, the like Greek history or something. Uh, but we might, we might get to that in a little bit. Uh, before we do, Ray, you're, you're freshly back from the spring 22 leg of the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour. Can you give us, uh, can you give us a peek behind the curtain? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I went to the New Orleans show. Great place um, to which... see Bob. What? Yeah, no kidding. I never, I never seen him there. I never, I don't think I've ever seen him south of like Pennsylvania before. But <laughs> my sister lives in New Orleans, and it happened to be a Saturday night, and it happened to be the 60th anniversary of the release of his debut album, which of course he did not acknowledge one iota. Of course not. Uh, and he didn't, probably he didn't, didn't know uh, about or care. He didn't pull "Song to Woody" out for the folks. Yeah, or I saw someone post like "House of the Rising Sun," a song about New Orleans on the debut album. Anyone else? Uh, a home run. Yeah. Nah. No way. Not Bob. But yeah, show, show was great. You know, it hasn't changed all that much since the fall. Uh, right. The big change is, is Rubicon. Rubicon. In, how, in, how is Rubicon? Rubicon, I like it better than on the record. I mean, on the record, it's one of the, I like the, I mean, not every song on the record, but, sure. you know, the sort of blues, the blues Rocky songs, kind of, you know, Jimmy Reed and stuff. They're, they're fine, but they're fine. Yeah. they blend together for me 
Yeah. Whereas like False Prophet is amazing live and Rubicon's getting there too. It's like kind of dumped the riff. It's gotten slower. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost more in like a like a Key West or Mother Muses band. Really? And yeah, Key like West has become direction. different. Yeah. A, a friend of mine was at the show and sent me some audio clips of uh, Key West. And I thought it sounded insane. It sounded <laughs> like really that's the one song he's like wildly revisiting and not just like once or twice but like it seems like every three days he's like hey here's a totally new arrangement yeah it's a completely different song i know i really uh, want the backstory on like the band rehearsing that like are they like every day at soundcheck like they're given you know tony's giving out orders about what key west should sound like tonight (laughs) it's a rumba tonight um It's pretty thrilling the way it sounded i i can't i cannot describe it does he still have the accordion on there Nope. No. Accordion. No accordion. Out of Accordion's here. out. No more accordion mode. It started with no accordion in the fall, then he added accordion, and now it's gone again. Interesting. And it's something else. Yeah. Huh. Oh, wow. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad that he's still uh, still out there, still still futzing with stuff, still tooling away at uh, at all the big hits. I hope that I hope he does, you know, I don't know. It's great for him to sort of perfect uh, these songs. And I mean, how greedy are we to already be like, oh, he's already playing um, or he's only playing these uh, new songs from this record in 2020, uh, you know, in this entire set. Um, You know, I'd like some more changes to the set list uh, at at some point. But, you know, uh, we got to be happy with what we get from Bob these days. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of not being grateful, <laughs> I think that when this record is talked about, Triplicate, triplicate mm-hmm. it's talked about in the sense that uh, in a way that is, uh, um, well, before I get into it, why don't you blow on the little horn? Uh, when people talk about Triplicate, they don't talk about it like it's m- much. It's almost the case of like it's so much that it kind of to I think a lot of people looks it feels monolithic. It's just like right. this big thick br- brick block of music. It's like an encyclopedia. Yeah, it's like a set like an encyclopedia set. You're not going to like read it. It's like people think of it as as a something like educational almost or it's like boring. Right. Um but if you uh, simply flip the record over on the back there, it's, it shows you that there's three discs that are differently titled there. Each disc has a different name. And uh, that is a, a hint that you can actually enjoy this album and digest it uh, and, and actually get something out of it um, to say the least. Yeah, little uh, piece by piece. It. You got LP one till the sun goes down. LP two devil dolls. LP three coming home late. Each one is uh, I think thirty two minutes on the dot. Bob wanted them all to be thirty two minutes long. Uh, you know, there's there's a little futzing on the on the seconds there, but uh, you know it does appear on the streaming services as if it is uh, just an endless slog, ninety something minutes say, long. It does say three disc one, disc two, disc three. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's all one giant block. Anyway, I'm not going to like beat around the bush. This is an incredible album. Uh, incredible an, three albums, we yeah, should say. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing work. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk shortly about why. 
we're here to appreciate it. Indeed. Uh, before we get in, Ray, you, you sent uh, something to us the other day. Some absolutely insane master uh, um, expecting rain poster decoded this entire forum. Yeah. <laughs> it decoded this entire album as Bob's reference to what was it exactly? Some some guy from Greek history or something. The, so uh, the I, Greek I just kind of summarizing. I'm summarizing a Wikipedia article, but. Uh, the, the 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 trilogy the three greek plays that are called the arestia from like the fifth century or something mm, like that of course which 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 that part bob dylan referenced in the interview that he only did one interview to promote this the one on his website so like right. this that's come to some degree from bob dylan he's like my album is based on these three greek plays called the arestia and right. so then i think most people you know the interview is super long you find something like that that kind of sounds like bullshit and you don't know what it is anyway and I, you know i just kept reading and immediately forgot about it but this guy actually like went and like read the plays and then compared the songs and you know who knows but uh he, he found some some interesting uh parallels that may or may not be coincidental <laughs> yeah may or may not be coincidental he's uh he's he's seeing the matrix uh behind all of these um <laughs> standards and uh and some of that might be true and some of it might be uh he, you know looking looking a little too hard but then again i mean even bob like in that interview he's like each of these three albums you know has a plot and goes on a journey and blah 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 and then you listen to it and like does it though right does it have a plot <laughs> bob uh, well, you know, it does. I, I think that there is a way to see something there, uh, and and really with the the three kind of LPs and their titles, I think that does kind of give us an interesting sort of cycle. You know, it's uh, you know, it's not too far away from the Change trilogy. This is literally a trilogy here. Yeah, <laughs> the Change trilogy. Uh, maybe you can refresh everyone's memory. Uh, that uh, we we've of course got. Uh, uh, I can feel change coming on. The times they are a changing. Things, things have, have changed. changed yeah and then we we go right back to the beginning one leads feel, to the other feel leads a change to the coming other. on once more yeah it, exactly um and so you know in in this way we've got you know till the sun goes down uh then the sun goes down then you got the devil dolls out there in the evening and then lp3 coming home late you know you're out late with the devil dolls after the sun has gone down seems seems like something to me yeah and if you notice the, the, the looking into the matrix version of these is till the sun goes down in the first Greek play. Um, the sun, there's a, there, there's a, the wife, the queen kills the king and then the sun's pissed. So sun is a play on the sun. Devil dolls, the furies get mad. And I don't remember what the coming home is. I guess someone comes <laughs> home at the end, but like, yeah, okay, this uh, is all, it all connects, man. It's like galaxy brain stuff. Yeah. We got to put, we'll, we'll put a link or a screenshot of that out there. God bless the expecting rain forum posters. I hope that they never, stop doing what they're they're doing a, just an uh, invaluable won't. service to us all uh side one track song one, one uh, <laughs> it, yeah it's i guess i'll have to change my plans Yeah. <laughs> you so know, these... this, this record changes so much for you depending on where you are at in your personal life, I would right. say. From my personal experience, this record has uh, a lot going on under the hood 
if you start to feel sad about anything. Yeah. Um, and so uh, th- this first song is kind of like the perfect uh, intro to that because it sounds happy, but it, it is it is a song. The song of a man with a gun in his mouth. This is like so sad, the lyrics. He's not having a good time. It took me until this like really kind of detailed dive into it that I've been doing the last couple of weeks to realize to realize exactly what you just said. Like this has always sounded like a swinging, bopping kind of like toe tapper happy song. But I listened to it, you know, more intricately recently. And like this guy's not having a good time. No, he lost the one girl that he found. Um. I guess I'll have to change my plans. He's very ho hum about it. That's kind of why the song is fun. But um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna like go through all these and be like, this was originally performed by this and that and the other. Oh, we can drop I, some I, uh, knowledge uh, uh, bombs where where they uh, come through. I'm guessing you are uh, a little more knowledgeable about that stuff than we are, Ray. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I. So this one was <laughs> the the funny thing. So. Most of these were performed by Sinatra, of course. The interesting fun fact I learned about this one is that this and several other songs on this album came out on another album just like a year before he recorded Triplicate. And that album was by Seth MacFarlane of Family Guy fame. Really? (laughs) And several of these songs were just released on an album by Seth MacFarlane. It really makes me wondering if Bob is spinning the Seth MacFarlane Sinatra album. I I absolutely would not put it past him to be listening to the Seth MacFarlane standards covers album in 2016. I forgot that existed. I, I, that, that was completely memory hold. That's my, you know, the, the expecting rain person's going deep on Greek, uh, plays and i'm i'm going deep on like seth mcfarlane uh, mcfarlane yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the family guy lore uh, yeah. of his his sinatra didn't they do record? wasn't there an episode of, of family guy that had a bob dylan cameo it wasn't actually bob himself but it, oh, was some it sort wasn't of... bob bob didn't go on <laughs> family guy oh i mean uh, if you do darman greg why not yeah exactly. uh, yeah well there's that there's like i think it's from family guy there's like a clip of Bob Dylan, Tom Waits, who's like my other guy, and Popeye. That you know, uh, yeah, pop up that's on right. I they're that's they're all doing a guy. great show, Mr. Dylan. Mr. Dylan, Tom Waits is here to see you. Those their voices being right, exaggerated, like Boomhauer style. Incidentally, Boomhauer yeah. met Bob Dylan in a in King of the Hill. Is that true? Yeah. The, yes. Was it actually Bob Dylan on King of the Hill? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I, w- I honestly, I would believe anything with Dharma and Greg and Pawn Stars and, you know, um, uh, Hearts of Fire and stuff. I, I would not put a single thing past this man. Uh, I, I guess I'll have to change my plans. Uh, I should have realized there'd be another man. I overlooked that part completely when the big affair began. Uh, this guy's going to... Uh, crawl right back into his shell and dwelling in his uh, personal hell. Oh, he's going through it. He's, uh, it's just begun for him. <laughs> the, the world is falling apart. He's got the n- first 29 song. <laughs> more songs of misery to get through. Well, uh, there's a, uh, there was a quote in that interview I referenced that I, I thought was interesting. So I wrote down, Bob said about triplicate, these songs are some of the most heartbreaking stuff ever put on record. And I want to do them justice. Now that I've lived them and lived through them, I understand them better. So, like, yeah, yeah, even the relatively jaunty, like, 
swinging Sinatra sort of songs are pretty bleak. Interesting. Do you guys think that he was actually go like because we've been posting about this a little bit recently? Uh, you know, some of the sad, sad ones in Bob's discography. Do you think that he was actually going through some degree of personal strife at this moment in time to make these records come out of him, or no, is that I, him just saying that? And was you know, there in fact a flaw in his flu? It's possible. what you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. I get the feeling that he. We can take him at face value that he just can summon that now, right? Uh, no matter what. But I have I have to believe that listening to Time Out of Mind, I've been listening to that quite a bit lately, and those songs, you know, we we were posting about like why was like who hurt Bob, <laughs> and and everyone is making jokes about like he had bird shit in his lungs and he got an infection. He cut the whole true. record before he got the infection, just yeah. so everyone's aware. So so that's not real. As jokes aside, wrong, irrelevant. Also, if you have you listened to this record, like that that is that is the sound of like a how old was he? Like, For this record? No, in Time Out of Mind. Like oh, uh, what was he, 53, 54, 5, something yeah, like that? Yeah, he's like a 55-year-old man going through like the first heartbreak of his life like as a teen. It's so brutal, the kinds of things that he's uh, going to there. It's so like raw. Yeah. So I think he was really going through something during that. And you can look at, I think, a lot of these songs as kind of a companion to that type of song. I mean, you look back through his whole uh discography there's a lot of heartbreak songs but the saddest ones i think are on this record and uh and time out of mind but even more so here in some way because they're so so essential like so boiled down to the bare essence right and that leads us to the next song uh september of my years man that's a heavy hitter for number two. I mean, this is like one of the like I I I I'm most familiar with most of these songs coming out of Bob. Like I I like you know ninety percent of all of these cover songs. Like I think of when I think of them, I think of them as a Bob song, which is silly, I'm sure, to most people who you know have have grown up with them in their lives and think of them as Frank songs or whoever else. Uh, this is one of the few, obviously, that is a is a Frank song to me, and you know I would assume everyone. Uh, out there really because it is just like you know maybe his most uh, you know one of his, his most signature and like just perfect kind of songs bob does a pretty good pretty good job here <laughs> pretty well, the good interesting thing is um <laughs> is that basically like unlike some of these other songs that either were standards when frank got to him or like became standards practically no one covered this song between frank sinatra in like 1960 or whatever right. when he sang it and bob dylan like 50 years later like it's relative as these things go it's like not you know you have stormy weather and a few songs and stuff like that but like everyone has sung sure and this is like actually a relatively deep cut um that that you know bob like no bob's going deep into these records um and picking out these songs that like you know have kind of sat dusty since frank did them 50 years prior right. and yeah to me it's the best is the best song on the record best song on the record already number wow. two already wow. And I didn't even I didn't want to start on a negative note, so I didn't I didn't even say earlier. It started with the worst song on the record. Oh, you think I have to change my plans? But now I can say it because I'm getting more positive because I love September of my years. So I'll slip in the fact that goddamn I hate that first song. This wow. song is great. I like. Uh, I, I guess I'll have to change my plans. But uh, September of my years. I mean, like so many moments on this record, um, and all the records starting with shadows in the night 
that this one has that thing where you, you just hear the first millisecond of it and it's like it's an iconic version of this song like it right. just ha- it has become like famous to me in my in my mind just how it's so uh perfectly realized and it, it's um perfectly balanced and the song itself i mean if we want to just get into content obviously it's about aging and time passing and uh looking back upon one's life and so while the first song is about more like the acute heartbreak um that the this narrator is singing about we we are already getting the sense that this record has a, a bit of a broader scope overall um the second right. track is already showing us that this is not just about cutesy little numbers um heartbreaking as they may be it's it's really a a serious uh collection Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is it, September of my years is great to hear Bob do this, you know, uh, so far after like the September of his discography, basically, with, you know, time out of mind in that sense. Um, that interview that uh, you mentioned, Ray, the one with Bill Flanagan on the website um, is really fantastic. And uh, hopefully we'll touch on that a little bit more uh, later, either in this episode or sometime in the future. But there's this great quote, I think, regarding September in the years in particular, and that kind of sums up what's going on here with Bob uh, and his... Um, what he's doing here, um, anyway, Flanagan says, between the depression and the war, uh, people had to swallow so much pain that songs that might sound overly sentimental to us had tremendous resonance. A line like, as a man who was never paused at wishing wells, which is Bob delivers just so perfectly in this version, yeah. so like softly and gently. Um, a line like that might sound corny to people who haven't lived too much. Can you, Bob, get inside these songs in your 70s in a way you might not have been able to in your 20s and 30s? And Bob says, sure, I can get way inside. In my 20s and 30s, I hadn't been anywhere. Since then, I've been all over the world. I've seen oracles and wishing wells. When I was young, there was a lot of signs along the way that I couldn't interpret. They were there and I saw them, but they were mystifying. Now when I look back, I can see them for what they were, what they meant. I didn't understand them then, but I do now. There was no way I could have known it at the time. Um, so there's just, I think there's something really profound and affecting um, about him choosing to do this at this moment in time. You know, I think we've talked a little bit about how he was struck by like um, Willie doing Stardust and, and his, you know, kind of covers project back whenever that was, like the 70s, I think, right? Late yeah, 70s, something like that. I think. 78, yeah. Um, and, but, but Bob waiting until this moment in his life to be able to like sing these songs with some degree of like, whatever, uh, you know, uh, personal experience, emotional resonance, you know, reality, instead of just reciting them for his appreciation of them, but without any sort of like, um, you know, uh, actual like uh, meat on the bone, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, September of my years is like, uh, it's like the Johnny Cash American recordings thing, right? Right. Like the like old guy singing about being old and sounding old. And I'm saying that glibly, but like it was powerful and Johnny Cash was doing it with like folk songs or rock songs or whatever. And like it really... Mm-hmm is affecting here whereas yeah if, if although now now you got, got me wanting to hear 78 bob with all the backing singers and the horn section boy september yeah of my years imagine the budokan version of september of my years <laughs> <Old> vegas <laughs> i'd rather not he, he made the right call the next uh, song is uh back to um the depths of despair and it's uh <laughs> i could have told you a song that i believe was a single right yeah, I think it was the first song they released when they announced this. Yep. Yeah, and number one on uh, uh, the uh, streaming service that uh, 
everyone seems to use these days uh, in terms of play counts, uh, significantly higher. This is the one that everyone has listened to off this record if you're going to listen to one song for whatever reason. Yeah, I could have told you, um, you know, the the jilted lover uh, of of a lady. Uh, it's, it's sort of like femme fatale. It's sort right. of like saying like, oh, you don't even know what you're in for. She uh, She's going to break your heart. Uh, I could have told you. Could have told you. It's a nice one, you know. I th- I think that it's uh it's definitely on my uh, short list in terms of like if we were uh, I've been kind of going through this record and like trying to figure out like if I'm gonna cut this down to a one album record, which I know is defeating the purpose of the whole thing, but to give you know people a, an easier end to this sort of thing, if I were trying to you know just arrange the essential ten or twelve songs um uh in that kind of package, I think this this makes it. It's up there just because. Again, his delivery is so perfect, and the band is so like gentle behind. It. I, you know, I, I guess the, <laughs> this kind of comment applies to a lot of the stuff on here, but uh, it's a good one. What can the we ba- say? I mean, the band is like, especially Donny Heron playing the steel guitar. Mm. Like it's he's incredible. the star of this song and so many songs. Like Kills I feel like it. this is the best work he's done. I mean, he's been Bob for like what going on twenty years now, and I feel like these standards in this album in particular, like, is just amazing. He's it's like, so ethereal. It's so unlike anything else I've ever heard in some ways. It really is so um, perfect. Like that, it's, there's no other word for how the the band sounds really. Yeah, there's there's just like this like insane combination of like senses or like memories that I get with the sound of this band. It's like part country western, it's part noir, it's part like, you know, um, jazz lounge, like you smash all of that together. And it still doesn't exactly equal what we get on this record, but like there's so many different kind of senses it's that so versatile up. it's yeah. so incredibly uh, versatile the yeah. sound they have here and it's so spare too it's like there's an there's only a few types of sounds that are happening there's only a few people playing it's not unlike the johnny cash stuff and and uh, as good as that was uh, some of it is like those later american recordings records i think some of them you listen back and it, it suffers from clearly the there's a, a bit of like early 2000s or late 90s like uh affectation or stylization to it um and you just don't get that here it's just this stuff is never going pure, in style it's just purity plain and simple um well and i mean evan you're talking about it being spare i mean the sort of amazing thing is that in many cases these are like actually following the sinatra arrangements but those arrangements for like an 80 person orchestra yeah yeah and so like there, Bob's like, here, here's a record that has an 80 person orchestra. Like now you play it with steel guitar and electric guitar and bass and like the end, uh. <laughs> some brushes on drums. And that's, and Donnie plays a big part in that as I feel like he's doing 60 of the <laughs> parts all by himself on steel guitar. Yeah, this record would not, any of these records would not come off without this band, you know, this yeah. like, just like mind meld group of musicians that, uh, you know, bring this thing to life so, so effectively. Next song is... Probably the even sadder, <laughs> one of the saddest songs I've ever heard, and maybe uh, the saddest song on the record. Jesus, uh, once upon a time, uh, just like this record just kind of sinks you at the very beginning. Um, it's great, but it is like uh, it actually is kind of painfully sad uh, to listen to. Sometimes. Have you guys seen the um, 
the version Bob performed for like the Tony Bennett birthday show. Mm-mm. Oh, it's worth people yeah, look up the I, I video. Have... Yeah, like I think it, I think it was before the album was even out. Is he the Tony Bennett turned? I don't know ninety or something. Anyway, he turned old. Um, and yeah, Bob performed this as like a, you know his birthday tribute, kind of like he did for Sinatra, right? You know, with Restless Farewell a million years before. And that version's great. I like it even a little better than the album version. But it, but you know, it's one of the there's not too many like really good quality videos of Bob and the band and this band like you know Pro Shot looking right. good and it, yeah. look, it looks and sounds great. It's worth looking up. Did you see them uh, live in this era at all, right? On 2017? Uh, I did. Did you? I thought you saw them in eight. No, I saw them in 18. You did see. You saw them in 17. Yeah. Yeah. Did did were they doing a lot of the? Did he do a lot of the this material? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. For I wish a while, I could remember. Like, almost half the songs, or at least a third of the songs of every set, were from one of the standards albums. Right. There was that funny period where, back. like, he was, he would like. Now he's some he sings some songs center stage, but there was like a period where like he would basically be behind the piano slash organ the whole time, except for all the Sinatra songs, and then he would come stand center stage. Yeah, and like, then he would be singing mic. way better, and then he'd go back behind the piano for his own songs, and like not be singing as well, just and back mumble. out front to stormy weather. And like... <laughs> yeah, I, I do recall that, um, uh, and I would give anything to go back and watch that again. Uh, but uh, of course. Once upon a time, never comes again. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Sorry. Stormy weather. I it's love storm, the opening. It's stormy this. weather. I yeah. love the opening to this. The it's opening like, is great. It's yeah, like so kind cool. of corny and, and cheesy, but like anytime I hear it, it just makes me grin. And like that really kind of foreboding, like dark clouds on the horizon sort of sound. And then all of a sudden it just opens up and it's bright and breezy. Uh, it's so perfect. album it's got i mean the earlier albums like i technically had horns on them but they were like pretty subtle and i feel like a lot of these songs one thing that differentiates if triplicates kind of getting you know muddled in your head from the other ones is that, like the horns on some of these songs are fairly prominent and they kind of make it different than fallen angels and shadows and the yeah. night yes on a number of these yeah there's a there's a quote about the horns uh and <laughs> it was a good good uh quote about the horns in um in this interview uh uh, Bill Flanagan says, "What's the challenge of singing with a live horn section, Bob?" Bob says, uh, "No challenge. It's better than overdubbing them. Simple as that. It's better than overdub. Bob, Bob is not a man for overdubs, as you hear uh, all across this record when he's he's doing his his famous late era method of just breathing heavily into the mic. <laughs> there's a there's a couple signature Bob sniffles and snuffles throughout this album." <laughs> yeah. Uh, next song is uh, well. That's the end of side one. Side one of the first record. We're, I yeah. don't know how we're going to cut this into two parts, but we'll you know you'll you'll see it you'll see it when you're listening to it. I don't I don't know either. Uh, we'll figure it out. 
next uh, disc uh, one side two it's this nearly was mine um very sad song <laughs> even <Cheerio>. sadder ditty <laughs> I, I think that uh, I should note that they're sad songs, but they're also sort of delicate, and uh, they're they're about how love is precious and uh, fragile, and uh, he articulates that in such a a convincing way. It's right. not it's not just like tearjerker stuff. It's it's like he's really just telling you as it is. I mean, it's it, amazing that. On these, on these songs, I feel like in some ways he pays more attention to the lyric than he sometimes does on his own songs. Yes, you know, or like he's trying to deliver whatever words, to like you know the words, like on Tempest or something, you know, which I like. But you know, he's kind of just saying the words and to the melody more or less. Whereas it does feel like every single lyric in these songs, like he takes really seriously and really makes an effort to get across more than he might his own stuff with his own yeah. material. Yeah, but yeah, the, he, the lyrics he can are so sort of straight. Like, yeah. They're, they're so clear and strong that it's like to sing them must feel, I imagine for him kind of liberating. It's like a, a chance to just go straight to the emotional heart. There's heart almost nothing in the way at all. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of imagine him like with his own material being like, oh, who gives a shit? You know, this is my own stuff. I can, I can treat it like trash if I want to, but this stuff, this is, this is a porcelain doll. This is like an immaculate yeah, uh, good stuff. A family heirloom. I must treat it with white gloves very gently and uh, with the respect that it deserves. Yeah. Um, that old feeling is next. Uh, a song that is not exactly sad, but it's still sad. It's yes. Uh, it's even the, of, even the happy ones are sad. I mean, they're they're full of yearning and the sense that that things went wrong and that uh, the only way that you can sing this song is uh, to have had some pain uh, occur. It's like. Uh, I believe he, he once said, behind every beautiful thing, there's uh, some kind of pain. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is one of um, this is one of the ones that he performed like a year before Triplicate came out. And I remember at the time, like he did this and one or two others, you know, added him to the set list. <laughs> Everyone was like, God damn it, he's going to do a third he's, album. He's doing another <laughs> Sinatra one. Sinatra songs, isn't it? Son of a bitch. Uh, I would have been in the audience rubbing my hands together. Oh boy, <laughs> we, get more Sin- we get more Sinatra material. Uh, I have wondered a little bit about the um, like the recording like time and like logic that he put into this because I'm uh, he hasn't revealed this obviously but I'm I'm almost positive that Shadows and Fallen Angels were cut at basically the same time like those are the same sessions yeah I think that's all but confirmed yeah and and Fallen Angels is basically just kind of like the Shadows outtakes um but triplicated definitely feels like a different era different obviously we talked about with the horns and stuff like this I think was its own kind of thing uh separate from the previous two you wouldn't know it from the stretch we're in now, but like it does have more upbeat tracks. Right. It's not quite as just uniformly slow as like the first two. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's, but yeah, as you say, like I was even looking for credits, like who played the horns on this. I'm like, I don't even think they released, you know, there are like credits available for Triplicate. Yeah. Well, produced by Jack Frost. There you go. That's the only credit you need. <laughs> more than we got for Rough and Rowdy. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, one more song next. Uh, we, it's it gets lonely early. Would you say this is a sad one? I'd say it's one of the sadder <laughs> ones. Yeah. 
on a ranking of, of Evan's saddest. <laughs> yeah, we should. Okay. Yeah, you, you should ranked have power ranked uh, uh, most to least sad. I think this. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess once upon a time is pretty like cosmically sad uh, because. I mean, just listen to it, uh, and and the way it ends too on that sneaky little minor uh, note at the end, uh, it actually just kind of fades out in this unsettling way that's a great point yeah the way he ends so many of these songs here just like right like they're they're they're, i don't know the musical term for it it might be minor note um what i'm what i'm thinking of but like i I feel like so many of these songs are brought in for such a delicate and like perfect kind of ending where it stops kind of suddenly and the music just like kind of cuts out um not in like a dramatic kind of way but just like a a very artful deft kind of uh manner i don't know it's it's great it gets lonely early is about uh, when your uh, your kids are uh, you're in an empty nest and nobody else is home and you just your house is getting dark and you're uh, you know the rest. It's sad. <laughs> this is another one when I was looking them up that basically no one did between Sinatra and Dylan and it actually comes from that. There's like this one EP. It's, it's called September of My Years, and I think Bob does pretty much all the songs oh. on it, so it must be one of his favorites. And yeah, this is another one. It's like Sinatra did in you know, the 50s or something, and then no one sang it, and then Bob sang it. I would have to assume that, that like part of that is because everyone just kind of figured, especially like with September, for instance, that like this is a Frank's, like Frank did this song, this is the song, this is it. It's not even worth it for me to cover it and add my own kind of voice to the uh, to the chorus because it's just going to, it's going to pale in comparison. And sure enough, here comes, uh, you know, 76 year old Bob Dylan at this point. And I got, I got something to add here. <laughs> um, he was right. He does. He is. Next. It's my one and only love. So we're kind of love. getting maybe a, a little bit into not, not sad. The opposite. Hey, just yeah, I mean, this one, this one is, the, I, I was, I don't know why this one struck me. It's true of a lot of songs, but like the high notes he hits on some of these songs, mm-hmm. like if you would, you know, if you played pretty much any of these songs, so like someone who just heard Tempest, like the Tempest vocals, like they wouldn't oh, be able yeah. to believe it. It sounds no. like it sounds night and day and it's, it's only a few years later and like the right. notes he's hitting, some of these, that's like a tricky melody. It's kind of amazing especially where he'd been for, you know, 10, 15 years beforehand vocally. I still don't know what he did, like, with the voice thing, cause, like, especially because he was touring like a, a madman in between Non-stop. Tempest and these um, these records. So it's not like he, like, literally just stopped singing and, like, recovered some sort of, like, vigor with his voice. I just, like, something, you know, he, he, he did something in those couple years. Yeah, like, and then, it, you know, carried over into Rough and Rowdy and yeah, exactly. live, everything sounds good now. So, yeah, it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Oh, maybe he got uh, vocal cord reconstructive surgery or something like that, uh, something that's not available to the rest of us. Maybe he just <laughs> coughed and like, coughed up a big gob of something after yeah, he just, recorded. Uh, and tempest. stuck in his throat since 69. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just had a fur ball. Uh, last song on Coming Home. What is it? No, this is no, Till the, till the Sun Goes Down. Goes down. <laughs> it, this last song day. is like uh, too little, too late to like get you out of the deep, dark hole that all the other songs have put you in. But uh, it's it's very nice. I, it's the trade, One of my favorites. trade wins. 
It's one of those tropical style. Yeah. There's a little Jimmy Buffett uh, going on. Yeah, I feel like uh, I want to put like a little, uh, little, little hula skirt on. Yeah. And, uh, put Get on some a steel co- drums going. Raw and do yeah. that. <laughs> I think I've said this before, but yeah. I would love if there was just a whole one of like Hawaiian style songs by right. Bob. That would be like like a cocktail lounge exotica type right. stuff. Like tiki lounge s- kind yeah. of music. That'd be so well. Good. That was we saw that on the uh, on the set list the other night. Um, someone on BobDylan.com listed instead of Key West, I think, uh, at one of the shows listed that song as a Jimmy Buffett song, right? What yeah. Was, oh, was that's the right. That? They listed um, a part. So Key West, the full name is Key West parentheses philosopher pirate, right. right? And so they listed instead of that, a pirate looks at forty. That's by Jimmy right. Buffett. Yes. Was that a mistake? Yeah, they someone typed in pirate because they were just you know putting in the mm. usual or philosopher pirate. Oh, yeah, and you was, got that sick. autocorrect where it goes pirate looks at forty. <laughs> he has played pirate. that once in like I don't, the eighties, I think. Okay, <laughs> so it's not so it's it's in the database, and yeah, it's probably coming up first alphabetically. Right. If only. Boy, that would be something. Yeah, <laughs> just I got really pulling excited. out a, a Jimmy Buffett cover in uh, in twenty twenty two. I would not put it again. Would not put it past the man. Um, Trade Winds, beautiful song. I love, uh, I love this one. I feel I, I mean, want to be, you know, drinking uh, Mai Tai or something listening to this. Reminds me well, of that. Kind of... So... Go oh, ahead. Sorry. I was about to say, it's kind of, he's got, I feel like on every one of these albums, maybe there's an exception or two, but like, it like starts with an up-tempo song and ends with an up-tempo song. And practically everything in the middle is like slow and incre- incredibly maudlin. Right. Like he clearly wants to like leave That's you on a point. Yeah, this is, this is the uh, uh, lucky old son of, uh, of the order. Uh, well, no, uh, that old Black Magic is not the last song on uh, Fallen Angels. It's the second to last. But yes, I I, I see what you're saying. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Isle of Capri, I was going to say, from uh, Come Fly With Me mm. by Sinatra, which is like the same type of song. It's just like, I went to the Isle of Capri, and then I, it's like about uh, meeting a woman there, and then you leave, and then you come back. She's got uh, a ring on her finger. And that's what happened oh. in this song too. It's, he, it, they had a great time. He leaves. He comes back. She's she's taken. Uh, out so of it'll the, never be the same. Out of the three records, so this is the conclusion of the first of the triple LP, uh, triplicate. What uh, would would we say this is the saddest of the three? Of what this of one? The three of the three. This this first uh, this first of the three set. Yeah. You think? Uh, I, I do you? I I I think that it gets. I think it's not the saddest, but it's not the least sad. I, I think I think it's gonna get there by the end. Well, I can't. It can't be the second one because anything that has both bragging and flaw my flu. <laughs> exactly. That that can't be the saddest. No, so. Devil Dolls. Between is, this and three. <laughs> yeah, it, I would say that LP one. I don't know. It's pretty sad. It is pretty sad, but boy, by the time we get to the end of this, it is, uh, it is, it is. It's a song oven, called "Why Was I Born." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's also just the cumulative weight. Like again, if you treat these yeah, as three separate true. albums as one thing, but if you're actually listening to it all the way through, you know, you're so depressed by the time disc three starts. Do you guys listen? Do, have you? Well, so, like, when preparing for this this episode, I have listened to this album one to thirty quite a bit, and just like let yeah. it go. 
is that but up until then up until now i have not that has not been the way that i've engaged with triplicate i've i've kind of just like hopped around i really have listened to the first 10 songs way more than i'm listening to the yeah. la- the later 20 um but even even still i would you know kind of just pop in and and throw on stardust or something when i wanted to hear that uh is that how you guys have done the same thing or have you are, are you equally familiar with the top as the bottom i feel like i usually have listened on shuffle <laughs> right yeah I mean, my, my new thing this time was, you know, so I would sort of, I would sort of listen to all 30, but I would try to shuffle them to, to mix it up, but do prepping for this and kind of digging back into it. I went the opposite direction you did. I really treated it as three different albums, which Mm. I just found like a much more satisfying listening experience. Cause like by the time you're listening through and you're at like track 24 or 25 and 10 in a row have been, you know, super slow and depressing. uh, I, I think it works better in like 30 minute chunks than it does as like a giant 90 minute slog. Totally. I, I had listened to it all the way through the other day. I mean, I have it on vinyl here, and I was kind of just like doing stuff around the house and right. uh, flipping it every once in a while. Flipping, you have to flip it a lot. You got to flip and, it, yeah. Uh, well, well, that's exactly it. It's like I, I think that this like like this album really makes sense as like a physical object, like LP long player record where you can just you can throw on the third record and you only get five songs and that's 15 minutes and then you flip it you know you're 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 vacuuming or whatever uh, and then you get another 15 minutes it's very easy to kind of comprehend it that way but it feels like it like you know uh, obviously like digital kind of streaming uh, presentation of music has kind of fucked up the entire uh, art form of the album and, and stuff like that this record or these series of records, however we want to refer to it, feels particularly uh, poorly suited to the way yeah. that people listen to music these days. Yeah, it does it, it does it a disservice, I think, because like when you're taking these in mass, like it's true, there are a lot of slow songs. There are a lot that kind of sound the same. And mm-hmm. they're all individually beautiful and amazing, but like it almost becomes too much of a good thing. Whereas exactly. by like the eighth time you've heard something that sounds kind of like the other seven, like your eyes are glazing over, even though if you heard that eighth track first, like in isolation, You'd be like, holy crap, this is yep. amazing. But yeah, 30's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But, you know, that's, it's, I wouldn't have it any other way. It, it, it's like, it's like he did the bootleg series for this album already by putting this album out itself. Is like, this is, this is everything from the sessions. I would well, assume. Well, ima- imagine the chaos if he had released these three actually separately. Like he announces, here's my oh, third God. disc of Snatch album a year later. New album from Bob Dylan. It's yep. disc, it's number four. What do you think, guys? Do, do we want to just, forge on ahead and kind of go through devil dolls a little quickly in the spirit of the quick and breezy second disc well let's hit uh let's you know let's we're we're let's hit the, the first half of devil dolls because that'll give us a 15 then we can cut it there and then we can uh we can pick up on the second half with the 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 bottom 15 all right then uh, let's forge on ahead uh Pew! L- do, lp2 do 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 do, do. Do, 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 do. Bragging. 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 One, two, three. Bragging. Bragging. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, we, we missed it. Uh, we should all say bragging at the same time. Bragging. 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 <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Waiting on the count. Bragging. 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 I Next love bragging. As time goes by. <laughs> no, bragging is good. Um, I think is this the one, is this the no, one that Frank rocks. didn't do? Is that right? This is the only one on triplicate that Frank did not do. And on one of only two on the whole, there's one on Fallen Angels, one on two on the whole thing that was not a Sinatra song. Incredible. But it was done by Sinatra's orchestra, just 
after Sinatra stopped singing with that orchestra. Huh. Maybe Bob got it mixed up. Says a lot about this record that this is kind of the rager <laughs> of the <laughs> collection. <laughs> the bragging, bragging kind of the, the barn, barn burner, yeah. I really honestly like the um I like the sentiment behind this out this song. It's like, you know, you don't need to brag. It's yeah, don't brag. Calm down. That's 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 not becoming of you. <laughs> if your fields are if what does he say? Uh, fields were green before you were born. Yeah, but if if something something if your if your fields are green, people will uh, hear about folks it. Folks will hear about you it. You don't need to shout it. Fields yeah. are green before you fields were born. Fields are green before you were born. It's true. Uh bragging. That's the kind of metal that you get at the five and ten cent store. Yeah, down at the five and <laughs> yeah. ten store. Talk about your metal. That's the kind they pedal down, down at the, at the five, five and ten, ten store. Man, Boy, yeah, this uh, one really. <laughs> it's such a, a burn. He's getting so many. Song. So, he's spitting on this song. Uh, plowing and a planting. You yeah. stand there a ranting. Getting a harvest. Uh, something in your heart. Something in your corn. Yeah. <laughs> How come you're a crowing like a no good rooster at dawn? This song rocks. It's, it's so refreshing. Good. Like these, as you as you've been talking about, they're so sad and like the fact that he sprinkles in not not a ton, but like fun, funny, lively songs in the mix, which is you know not something these albums have in spades, but like it really brings it to life. Yes, absolutely. Bragging absolutely essential to the Triple yeah. Hit project. You know, if we lost, uh, you know, how deep is the ocean or something, you know, we could probably get by. But bragging, this is this is a headliner. This is one of the big ones. This should open the album. Sam, bragging. Would you uh, play that song for me? Uh, <laughs> uh, would you play uh, play that song, Sam? <laughs> this is as time goes by from Casablanca. As made famous in Casablanca. That's what that I, uh, is. Good my, movie. Fun, my fun fact about this song is that Bob performed it once before a uh, triplicate. And that performance took place on January 10th, 1959. What? At Hibbing what? High School Gymnasium. Oh, my God. For a school dance. He and his, I don't know if it was the Golden Chords or before the Golden Chords, but in 1959, Bob performed it at the Hibbing High School School Dance. <sighs> wow. That's Where incredible. is the bootleg of that version? <laughs> yeah, you must remember this. Uh, this is a kiss is still a kiss. A cry, uh, a sigh is still a sigh. Is it still a sigh or just a sigh? Because I feel like different versions mix that up sometimes. I think it's just in. I think it's just a sigh, right? It ought to be. That makes more sense. Yeah. Pretty good song. It's a great song. Yeah. Kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, I don't know. What What can you say? Yeah, this is a, one of those moments where we get to say, what more can you say about that? <laughs> Perfect song. Imagination is funny. It makes a cloudy day sunny. It Imagination a, is silly. Yeah. This is, a called, this is called Imagination. This is another fun one. Yeah, this is appropriate for children, this song. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. There's a, there's a, although, uh, overall, I say it's a little forgettable, but there's, there's one moment I was just listening to earlier this afternoon that I loved where he says, like, your imagination again. Then he goes, oh, well. Leading <laughs> 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 into a little interjection for me makes that song. Uh, we're, having, we're having fun here on Devil Dolls. Imagination yeah. is funny. It makes a cloudy day sunny, makes a bee think of honey just as I 
think of you. You know, we're just, we, we we got a we got a little uh, bit of levity in the air here. It's cute. Cute song. Imagination is silly. You go round willy nilly. For yeah. example, I go around wanting you, and yet I can't imagine that you want me to. Okay, so it is a little bit sad. <laughs> it does get sad by <laughs> the end of it. Yeah, it is also about a guy who's he's only imagining that uh, he he can uh, be with the one he loves. No. Uh, next We've is, all been there. Uh, P.S. Uh, or no, how deep is the how ocean? How deep is the ocean? Uh, how, how high is the sky? Mm-hmm. Another sort of good uh, school, like school dance in the fifties type song. Right. Yeah, this is uh, the only Irving Berlin song mm. on, on the whole uh, album, and he's like someone who wrote a gajillion of these things. But uh, yeah, I think, I think I he had that. others on the on the first two records, but yeah, this is the only one on Trip Look at how high this is this one? Game? This one, what I was reading up. Uh, there's this interesting blog called Talking. I think it's Talking Bob Dylan that uh, this guy Tim Edgeworth runs, and he like broke down the origins of all these songs. And this one was one of the most interesting because Bob's taking you know the arrangements from a lot of Sinatra recordings, but in this one he he and he, you can play the songs, and it's true. Frank's recorded some of these songs like a bunch of times, two or three or four times. And this one, the arrangement Bob takes is from one recording in 1960 musically, but then the vocal arrangement he takes from a different Sinatra recording Incredible. 15 years earlier <laughs> so, going deep into the Sinatra how deep is wow. the ocean repertoire he's how keeping us on our toes the, how deep are the uh the reference points yeah. Yeah. there you go <laughs> I got, I just, I'm sorry I'm doing a lot of this shit in this episode <laughs> <laughs> that's you know we got we got to get we got to get through it somehow um, I'm, I'm just scanning the, uh, scanning the interview again. I love, I love some of these comments that Bob makes on, on, uh, uh, about these songs. Uh, Flanagan asks him, are you concerned about what Bob Dylan fans think about these standards? Bob says, these songs are meant for the man on the street. Yeah, that's my favorite the, thing. Ever. The common <laughs> the man, on the, the everyday person. Maybe that is a Bob Dylan fan. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think just, about that all the time. The man on the street and, uh. <laughs> That really uh, honestly opened up the whole thing for me. Like when I read that when this was coming out, I thought, "Hey, that's me." <laughs> I love the idea of just like walking down, walking down the street, and you just see, you know, there's there's a guy, there's a man on the street. This song is for you, buddy. How <laughs> Bob Dylan? How deep is the ocean in 2017? This is a song for you. Well, it's about how anybody can relate to these songs. And he's uh, not just talking about uh, being a man, I don't think, on the street. It's about no, anyone course. on the street. Uh, the next song is P.S. I Love You. Mm. Uh, it's so sweet and cute. and One of um, my favorites in the entire set. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very, um, it's just nice. You know, th- there are these moments all through the record that are, I mean, it's it's really kind of amazing how he's going back and forth from the sad songs about heartbreak to the ones that are about love and how he inhabits them both completely. And he's able to do that, which is, is just so... I don't know. I find it just really impressive because they both feel so true. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... Every one of these songs, regardless of what kind of um, spirit it inhabits or whatever, 
or whatever emotion it's putting across, like Bob seems to just live within it and, and make it come through. This is one of those classic, like, song, well, not even a song, just classic genre of anything, you know, writing, movie making, music making in this case, where you're doing the thing about not being able to do the thing. You know, the, yeah. The, this person like... can't come up with lyrics for a song, so you just, mm -hmm. you, you know, you just start writing about, uh, writing about being on the train and, or uh, in bed each night at nine. Um, but it's it's such a just like a perfect little perfect little ditty. I don't well, know. The, the the theme of the song is sort of like uh, you know I'm uh, writing you a letter. It's letter themed. That's the concept here, and it's all mundane little uh, missives about goings on that are kind of uh, prosaic and unimportant. And then uh, everybody's thinking of you. And then the P.S. I love you. Sort of so I love gets you at the you. end. It's so good. I remember hoping when the like I think the track list came out, I was really hoping it was the Beatles song. The Beatles. So yeah. it took it took me a while to like you know come around on it, but but I eventually did. And yeah, it's, fun. it's also like, it's also it's it's four minutes long, which makes it the longest song on Triplicate. Jesus, I mean this right. is you know we're a few years after Tempest, where like the shortest song was nine minutes or some nonsense. And like four minutes, longest song on triplicate. That's how concise these things are. Boy, yeah, I haven't ever really thought about that is how short all of these songs are. But yeah, I'm scanning through. They're all like somewhere between two and a half and three and a half, really, with a couple. Yeah, there's this one at 414. And there's one more These Foolish Things on the next uh, LP that's 406. But everything else is like two or three minutes. That's wild. Well, he's not extending him. Like, there's not guitar solos, really. There's one or two. There's not no, steel solos. Like, he's just true to the lyric. He's delivering the lyric. And then talk about the sort of, you know, things ending abruptly. I mean, then he gets out. Yeah. When the lyric is over, the song is over. Yeah. Well, there's that great There's that great interview clip uh, from an interview that he did, the ARP interview um, around the time of Shadows, where he's talking about Autumn Leaves and uh, Clapton's version of that that has a bunch of like multiple guitar solos and it goes on endlessly and stuff. And Bob does like a very kind of backhanded compliment of him. And he's like, you know, Eric can get away with it because, uh, you know, he's a guitar virtuoso. Uh, but, uh, but that's not really what this song is about. It's not, you know, you're not, you're not being true to the material, so to speak. Um, and, uh, and that's exactly what he's doing. I think across all of these, um, uh, all of these records is it's like, it's not even about music making so much as it is about like, like these songs are almost closer to poems than they are to songs. In some cases, it's just like a very simple delivery with a bit of musical background, but it's not a, you know, it's not a pop song in any kind of conventional contemporary sense, at least. Anyway, sorry to cut us off here, but, uh, are we not doing another, uh, Shouldn't we? Should we pause it here and then move on to the next one? Yeah. Well, do you have do you have one? Any last thought there, Ray? Oh no, I was I was oh, a sorry. sidebar. I was just uh, wondering if that was the same interview where he was also taking shots at Rod Stewart's standards albums. He was yes. talking about like how Rod <laughs> Rod got overwhelmed by the orchestra. Like, exactly. It's, uh, and again, it was it was like it, it wasn't like I'm my summary is like making it sound mean as it is. It was like backhanded. But he was like, Rod's got a great voice, but and then he like kind well, of tears, he the, tears the whole project down to the ground. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he does. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the first fifteen songs of Trimlicket. Uh, you know that was that was pretty breezy. I think I think we made it through there. A okay. Yeah, uh, I was a little worried half. that we'd be banging our head against the brick wall by this point. But it uh, took us an hour. We're shucking and driving. 
Uh, thank you for uh, joining us on uh, Jokerman Podcast, folks, uh, for the first 15 songs on Triple Kit. Ray, if, uh, you, you got plugs for the, the folks out there? Uh, yeah, I got the Dylan newsletter. Um, feels redundant. I feel like the Venn diagram between Jokerman listeners and people who read my newsletter about live Dylan has to be pretty close to a circle. Close to a circle. But if you don't know it yet, um, I do interviews with band members, and sometimes I make fun of what Bob wore on stage. So it's really the full, <laughs> it's really the full range. It's flagging down the double E's. And then, because we're on triplicate, uh, I run the site Cover Me, which is a, a cover songs site that about, you know has a bunch of other writers and such. Perfect. And we'll put uh, your Twitter handle in the uh, episode description as well, where folks can uh, follow along with all cool. of your uh, online exploits. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us, everybody. Thank you. Let's get uh, let's get sad. Uh, wait, is it sad again? Well, we're gonna get sad on the next one. Oh, Jokerman. What is that a right? What is that a say? The same things happen every day Not a thing to write Not a thing to say So I take my pen in hand and start The same old Yesterday we had some rain 